Welcome to the Crossroad. This is your host, Tepo Mafata, and today is actually Saturday, uh, not Sunday, the 9th of September 2017. A limited atonement. Now, a lot of people, when they hear this, 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 these words, um, and they know anything about Calvinism, they have a serious problem with it. A limited atonement is a term that Armenians who are opposed to Calvinism is one of those that uh, they have a serious problem with. And today I just want us to just talk about it and, 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 and pose certain questions that I'm hoping that uh, our, Cal- our Armenian friends will, will, will respond to uh, with regards to limited atonement. I do not believe this will be too long today. We'll only deal with one verse, uh, maybe linked to a couple of verses, but pretty much we will be dealing with, with one verse, as you can see there from Matthew 1, verse 21. Matthew 1, not Matthews, Matthew 1, verse 21. And um, we will link to John 6 and John 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 10, but, but as I say, pretty much we'll be looking at, at at Matthew 121. What is limited atonement? Well, limited atonement is part of the doctrine that is characterized or collectively known as the uh, Calvinism. Now, now Calvinism has, has, has an acronym TULIP, um, and T stands for total depravity. Calvinists believe that a, a human being is incapable within himself or by himself to 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 turn away from sin and and to turn to God he is so dead in sin that he cannot by himself turn from 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 sin and turn towards towards God and the you is uh, unconditional election um Calvinists believe that God chose those that are going to be saved before the foundation of the world, not based on anything that they were going to do or not do. <coughs> and then L is limited atonement that we will get into, but limited atonement pretty much means that Jesus did not die for every single human being that has ever lived but has actually died for those that have been chosen by God before the foundation of the world. Um, and then the I is irresistible grace, meaning that if you are called by God, you cannot resist the call. Um, whoever God calls will come to him. And and, and finally, the, the, the P is perseverance of the saints, Pretty much that means that those that believe will be will persevere towards the end. Pretty much they will not lose their salvation. That, that is a very simplistic uh, definition of, of, of what tulip means. But today I want to speak about limited atonement. As I said, limited atonement pretty much means that Jesus only died for those that have been chosen by God before the foundation of the world to be holy and acceptable to be adopted as his children. And I'm pretty much quoting uh, Ephesians 1. 
that those that God chose before the foundation of the world are the people that Jesus came to die for. He didn't come to die for every single person that has ever lived, but only for those that have been chosen. Now, having this in mind, let us look at Matthews 1.21. Let us go to that directly. Now, if you look at Matthews 1.21, that is in front of you, it reads, let's probably just, just so that we, we, we get the, uh, the context of this. Um, let's just start at 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being just a man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus Christ. Just like what he was told to do here in verse 21. She will bear son, that's Mary, will bear son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And this is the reason why you call his name Jesus, because if you have listened to any of my videos so far, you will now have come to realize that before pretty much also can means because. You shall call his name Jesus, you here is Joseph. Joseph, you shall call the son Jesus, because for he will save his people from their sins. Now, this is this is the verse that I want us to just look at. Sometimes we read verses and we just allow them to just float by. Now, if you look at this verse, the angel is saying to Joseph, call your the, the son that will be given birth to by Mary, call that son Jesus, and this is the reason why you must call him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, let's look at this first part here, because he will save. There is one word in the Greek. I'm not a Greek expert, so if, if you hear anything that I'm saying that is not in line and you probably know better than I do, please don't hesitate to help me out. But as far as I understand... This is one word in the Greek. Um, let's just go to the Greek interlinear. Um, this is verse 21. The top part here is the Greek. The middle part is the English. 
and those are the strong numbers that go with that. But the part that we are interested in, you will see here that will bear son, you shall call name Jesus, for he will save. There is your for gar, and there is so say he will save. This word comes from the word sozo, meaning to save. Ton haon, the people outu of his. So for he will save his people. So as I said, that's so say there that's that's one word. So he will save for he will save here it's one word. Now this word is in a future tense. He will not that he save it now, but he will save. And Matthew chose an indicative mood, meaning he is saying that Jesus will save as a matter of fact. He's asserting that the saving will take place. He's not he's not saying that maybe it will take place. He's not maybe casting certain doubt because he has used the indicative mood. He's actually saying to us that Jesus will save. And he will not just save every single person. He will save his people. And he will save his people from what? From their sins. So it is Matthew is saying it is a fact that Jesus will save. And it is a fact that he will save his people. And it is a fact that he will save his people from their from their sins. Now this verse cannot, in my view, be understood any other way. The reason why Joseph is to give the name Jesus is because Jesus will, as a matter of fact, save not every single person, but save his people from their sins. This is the reason why Jesus, God, gets the name. Because he will do exactly that. Save his people from their sins. Now, first question. I wrote a couple of questions here, seven of them, that I want us to, to just, just go through. The first question that I pose is, if this is what Jesus is going to do, and Matthew states it as a fact, can Jesus fail to do it? Can he fail to save? In other words, can what Jesus does contradict what the angel said? Or what his name said? Can he fail to save? Can Jesus fail to do anything? The answer is obviously no. So we can all agree that if the angel says Jesus will save his people from their sins, then we can take that as a fact. Hence, Matthew himself uses the indicative mood. So the first question, can Jesus fail to do this? No, he cannot fail. Two, can Jesus fail to save his people? The answer should obviously also be no, because Jesus cannot fail to save, and he cannot fail to save his people, and he cannot say fail to save his people from their sins. There's three things. He cannot fail to save, he cannot fail to save his people, and he cannot fail to save his people from their sins. So, he cannot fail to do any of this that is written in this verse here. He cannot fail to save his people from their sins. Now, question three, who are his people? Well, 
His people are those that will be saved by him from their sins. That, that sounds obvious. Because he's going to save his people. So who are these people? Everyone that will be saved and find themselves in heaven, those are his people. Everyone who is not in heaven and, and spends eternal life in hell is not his people. Catch that? Who are his people? Remember, his, the angel says he will save his people. So all his people will be saved from their sins, meaning they will not end up in hell. So, those that end up in hell cannot form part of his people. So, his people is every single person that will spend eternal life in heaven. You get that? Sorry about that, that's my phone. All those that will end up in heaven will be saved. Would, would have been saved by, by Jesus Christ. Correct? Yes. If you end up in heaven, you are saved by Jesus Christ. And if you are saved by Jesus Christ, that means you are you form part of his people. Because the people that is going to save are his people. So those that end up in hell don't form part of his people. Now, the other question. When did they become his? Now, when did they become his? If you look at Ephesians 1, let's look at Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God and Father, from verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, us, those that have been saved, blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose this, the us again in him, because Paul is including himself, and we know Paul is saved. So if he chose us, if he talks about us and he includes himself, then we're talking about people who are saved. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of of his will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved so when did these people become his before the foundation of the world and who made them his it is god so they be who are this his people his people are those that will end up spending eternal life in heaven because that will be those that have been saved by him when did they become his they became his before the foundation of the world and all he did was to come and save them another question how did how did they become his how did they become his well, if we go to John, verse 10, 29, it tells us that my father who has given them the sheep, those that hear Jesus' voice, those that will come to Jesus, my father who has given them to me, my father who has given them to me, not only that, if we go to John 6, 
Then we read here, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So where do these come from? These come from God himself. God chose them before the foundation of the world and now he draws them, he calls them, he gives them to Jesus Christ. So who are his people? His people are those that will spend eternal life in heaven. When did they become his? Before the foundation of the world. How did they become his? God himself, as he chose them before the foundation of the world, in time, he draws them and he gives them to Jesus Christ. How can Jesus know he will save them? How can he know that will save them? It is God and Jesus who protects them and when the Father draws him, they come to him. So for two reasons. One, Jesus knows he will save them because the Father draws them and those that the Father draw come to Jesus Christ and both Jesus and the Father protects them. Let's quickly go to John 10 here and you will see what I'm talking about. Let's just go to John 10, verse 28. This is the same sheep that hear Jesus' voice, that, that know him, that the Father has given uh, to, Jesus, uh, to Jesus Christ. In verse, 28 is, in verse 29, in fact, 28, sorry, Jesus says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. That's the first thing. Jesus protects them. So, because... They have been chosen before the foundation of the world. They have been given to Jesus Christ. Once Jesus has received them, he gives them eternal life. There he goes. He saves them. Giving someone eternal life means you save them. So Jesus saves them by giving them eternal life. He ensures that they never perish because he himself protects them. And no one can snatch them out of his hand. Two, the Father, the Father who has chosen them before the foundation of the world, who has drawn them and given them to Jesus Christ, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one in the protection of, and in and, and the salvation and the protection of those that Jesus has come to save. So, Question one, can Jesus fail? No. Who are his people? They are those that will spend eternal life in heaven. When did they become his? Before the foundation of the world, they were chosen by God. How did they become his? God chose them, drew them, and gave them to Jesus Christ. How can Jesus know he will save them? Because as soon as the Father who has chosen them gives them to him, he will save them. He will give them eternal life and he and the Father will protect them. And lastly, how will Jesus identify these people that are his? He will identify them because he knows them. He was there at the beginning. When they were chosen, he was there. He knows them. I know. Look at here, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. 
He knows them because he was there. And they follow me. So even if, even if for some reason one can argue that Jesus was not there in the beginning and he's not God, the, the first part here says, when he gives that call, come to me. Those sheep that are his will hear his voice and they will follow him. And for that matter, then he will know. But we know that he knows them because he is God and he was there when they were chosen. Now he came knowing exactly who he's going to die for, who he's going to save. And he knows that they will hear his voice and he knows that they will follow him. So therefore, he can be sure and he can be guaranteed that he comes into this world with specific people in mind, those that the Trinity have chosen at the beginning of the foundation of the world, those that the Father in time will draw, and those that the Holy Spirit will regenerate, and those that will be given to Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ will receive them, he will give them eternal life, they will never perish, and they will be raised on the last day. So going back to our verse, this is the reason why the angel says, Jesus will come to save his people. He will do that. It is the work of the Father that to, 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 to draw these people by the Holy Spirit. And it is the work of Jesus Christ to save them. And Jesus Christ will do that. He will do that. Now, the question that I want to pose to those that are anti-limited atonement, those that disagree with limited atonement is, if there are people that form part of his people, that form part of Jesus' people, who don't get saved, doesn't, mean, doesn't that mean that Jesus has failed? That's the first question. Secondly, if Jesus is given the name Jesus because he's going to save his people, according to anti-Calvinism, or most specifically Arminianism, people have free, free will. They have a choice to choose whether they are going to be saved or not. People have that choice. Now, if people have a choice, how can Jesus say, I'm going to save them? Because they can decide. No. So then the angel should have said, give him the name Jesus, for he will make people, he will give a people a choice to be saved or not. Not to save them. Because he either saves or he doesn't. And if he doesn't and he dies on the cross, that means all that he does is make people savable. And the people decide at the end whether they want to be saved or not. That is the question I want to ask you as an Armenian. This is the question that I want to ask you. Or if you don't call yourself an Armenian, but only you, you just dispute limited atonement. Please explain to me verse 21. Jesus will save. He's not going to make anyone savable. He's not going to give anyone a choice. This verse says he'll save. But if the people that Jesus will save have a say in it, isn't it possible that those people can say no and then Jesus will fail? 
Because if Jesus was going to save them and he had planned to save them and they refuse and Jesus doesn't save them, then he has failed his name. Because his name means Jesus will save. Now these people that are going to be saved by Jesus, do they have a choice? These people that belong to Jesus Christ, that are his people, do they have a choice, Armenian? Do they have a choice? If they do, then Jesus cannot have any guarantee that they will say yes. And if, if you argue that Jesus must have somehow looked into the future to see who's going to save or not, and as a result he can say this, then you are saying there was a point in time when Jesus did not know who is going to be saved because he had to look into the future to see who's going to be saved and then say he will save them. I cannot believe in a God who doesn't know. Can you? He is all-knowing, isn't it? That's one of the attributes of God. He's all-knowing. He doesn't know because he looked in the future. He knows because he's created the future. Amen? He's created the future. Not that he looks into the future and goes, Oh, that one, that one, that one. Okay, I'm going to save them. Because I know that they are going to believe anyway. So as a result, I'm going to save them. So therefore, salvation is based on what you do in the future. It's salvation by works. It's salvation by works. So I'm asking you, as an Armenian, or if you are not an Armenian, if you are just someone who does not believe in limited atonement, please explain verse 21 to me. Please respond to this video. Tell me why you believe that Jesus is just only going to make his people savable. Explain verse 21. The Bible tells us that Jesus has come to save his people because he has chosen, the Father has chosen them before the foundation of the world. Jesus knows who they are. He comes to save them specifically. And in time, the Father through the Holy Spirit draws them and gives them to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ receives them, gives them eternal lives and raises them up on the last day. I'd like to hear your comment on this video if you're an Armenian. And or if you simply don't believe in limited atonement, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Thank you very much for, for listening to this. This is one of those controversial uh, doctrinal or theological issues and I hope I have tried to explain it and I have explained it in a manner that makes it easy for you to understand. Thank you very much for listening to The Crossroad. And if you want to contact us, as usual, wordofgodundiluted at gmail.com. Wordofgodundiluted at gmail.com. This is Tsepa Mafata. Be blessed. Glorify God. Amen. <laughs>